A United States government official says Washington needs to be judged by its actions as it recommits to greater involvement in the Pacific. Assistant Secretary of State in the Bureau of Global Public Affairs, Bill Russo, is one of a number of State Department officials visiting Pacific nations on a familiarization tour. Mr. Russo spoke with Don Wiseman. How is the U.S. going to convince the Pacific that it's now a good friend after pretty much abandoning the region 25 or so years ago? Well, look, uh, you know, of course, uh, my my job is in is in communications, and so uh, I, I'm an expert in the messaging uh, to, to 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 of reassurance. Uh, but of course, uh, we know that we're going to be judged by our actions, and so you know, I think what, what hopefully the region has seen, what the Pacific has seen, just in the past weeks, months, are actions uh, that that reassure that, whether it's, you know, uh, seeking $7.2 billion for Congress for the region, particularly for the Compacts Free Association, whether it's the two embassies that we've already opened or the two new embassies that we're still looking to open uh, in the the very near term, whether it's been climate investment, including through the uh, resilience facility. I hope what the region sees now and what the region will continue to see in a sustained effort over years to come will be uh, our actions that, that demonstrate that we are here. It's all about China, isn't it? No. I mean, look, the, the United States policy in the region is not about any one country, not about any third, uh, third country. It, it's about our partnership here. It's about the shared history that we have and the shared history that we're looking to build into the future. My colleague, Dan Crittenbrink, our assistant secretary who covers the region here, gave, uh, gave a speech in Auckland yesterday that I think really laid this out quite clearly. That is, you know, the United States does not seek a new Cold War. We aren't seeking to contain uh, the People's Republic of China. And, you know, being out in the region myself, being in, in, in Hawaii and then Fiji before being here in New Zealand, you know, one of the messages uh, that, that we delivered is that, you know, there there is a place for the People's Republic of China in terms of uh, economic development in, in the region. We just want to ensure that it subscribes to the highest possible standards of transparency, rule of law, uh, all of that. But this is not about the, the U.S. versus China. This is about our, our, our serious and sustained presence in the region with our neighbors uh, and friends. Because again, you know, the U.S. is a Pacific nation. That is just a fact of geography uh, and a fact of culture. And, and we want to ensure that, it, again, the substance of our engagement uh, demonstrates that. Yet the motivation for this has been the involvement that China has had with countries such as Solomon Islands, to a lesser extent Fiji and Papua New Guinea. Washington suddenly uh, realizes that it's also part of the Pacific again. When I talk about, you know, that that shared history going back at eight decades to World War II, you know, that that still holds a huge amount of, of personal cachet with the American people. Um, you know, I was I was in Hawaii on the way out. That history that can seem distant is still very real to many Americans. And so the focus there is, is, is knowing that we need to make real investment now, that we can't just let rest on our laurels on that shared history if we're going to continue for the next eight decades out. We have an interest here that is unrelated to any third countries because we have a presence here, whether it's Hawaii, whether it's Guam, whether it's American Samoa. You know, the United States is, is, is present in the region. And so the, the issues that face the region, whether it's economic development, whether it's climate change, huge issue that we're focused on, you know, we have a shared interest in addressing those issues as partners. The Pacific, with one voice, is saying that there is only one really major issue for them, and that is climate change. The U.S. is one of the countries that is seen to be dragging the chain on this. How are you going to overcome that? How are you going to help the Pacific 
overcome the issues associated with climate change? I mean, look, this is this is an existential crisis. This is not just an existential crisis for Pacific Island countries. It's one for the United States as well. While I'm here with you today and while we're talking about climate in the Pacific, uh, much of America right now is focused on choking wildfire smoke that is covering the entire east coast of our country that is driven by climate-driven wildfires in, in, in Canada. There is an everyday focus on the impact this is having all across America. And I think what you have seen from this administration then is a reaction in kind, a global reaction to, to dealing with this crisis. One of the things that Secretary Blinken says that uh, I think is particularly astute here is that even if the United States overnight went to zero emissions ourselves, we represent about 15% of the world's emissions. That means 85% of the problem is still out there. And we see a unique place for the United States to lead by our example, right? So whether, you know, Secretary Blinken announced that the Pacific Resilience Facility uh, that we're working with the Pacific Island Forum, we are going to be one of the founding partners to help really um, catalyze investment in the region. We've announced USAID and others upping their presence in the region, and a lot of that is going to be focused on climate resilience. So we're making investment here, but the other piece of this is really important, and this is what our diplomacy seeks to do, is to rally all of our other partners to also address not just uh, resilience, but also the direct mitigation that we need. The U.S. and PNG have signed the security <laughs> pact. It hasn't been fully endorsed by their parliament or anything like that at this point in time. There's a lot of debate over whether PNG sovereignty is threatened by this. How do you overcome that? Will, for instance, if U.S. soldiers end up in PNG, will they be subject to PNG law? First and foremost, you know, the defense cooperation agreement uh, that we're moving forward with with, with PNG is, is a modernization of existing um, cooperation to bring peace and stability here and in the region. So it is it is a modernization and a carrying forward of, of defense cooperation that has existed b- between our countries in the past. And obviously, all of these consultations are done with the sovereignty of our partner countries uh, first and foremost in mind. I would also say that, you know, I think an additional element, uh, a separate agreement that we signed is also really instructive of what this will look like in terms of the shiprider agreement that the United States is pursuing with PNG that will enable PNG to enforce its own sovereignty, to to use U.S. vessels to help patrol their own waters, enforce their own laws, and secure their own sovereignty. So I actually think in many ways what we are seeking to do is enhance the sovereignty of, of, of Papua New Guinea. I think there is going to be for a long time some degree of ambivalence in the Pacific about just what it is the Americans are up to. We have had this example going back 30 or 40 years with the Soviet Union or Mother Russia creating a border shield with nations. And to a certain extent, that's how it can appear here. Is that what the U.S. is doing, creating a border shield of small Pacific countries to uh, shield it from China? No, you know, we're not pursuing a new Cold War. We don't want to go back to any, you know, Soviet Cold War uh, paradigms here in the region. Uh, and look, part of the reason I am here is to listen and to learn. This is my, my first trip uh, abroad. I've only been in, the, been in my job for, for three months now, and I wanted to come here first and foremost to have an uh, opportunity to, to listen and to understand better what our partners want to hear and, and want to see from us. And what we hear and w- uh, what we have heard throughout is that partners want peace and stability in the region. They want United States investment. They want the United States leading on climate change. They want the United States to continue to be engaged in this region as a partner, as a thoughtful partner. And so that is what we are looking to do first and foremost. But we have places like Guam where 
there are going to be more troops sent and other upgrades happening there. But there are fears within Guam that they become a target. You can talk about you're not trying to create another Cold War, but effectively that is what's happening. We've got Australia building or planning to build nuclear-powered submarines This, to us, points to an escalation of tension, uh, of Cold War-type tension. On, on the submarines, of course, first I would, I, would, I would just point out there's obviously a very, very strong difference between nuclear-powered submarines and nuclear-equipped submarines. These are nuclear-powered submarines, and so it's all about propulsion and, and, and range and not about, you know, we aren't seeking to, to, to further nuclearize the region. But, you know, the, the other thing I would say, I'm particularly, I started my trip in the region with a day I spent at Indo-PACOM uh, in Hawaii with my colleagues uh, in the military, and Guam was almost first and foremost on the agenda for the entire time I was there, but not not because of, because of U.S. basing or because of U.S. militarization, but because of disaster response. With the cyclone that's recently run through, the focus that we are putting on how we can bring our presence in the region to bear to help Guam recover and to help others in the region recover from, from humanitarian disasters. And so I think, I think that in many ways speaks to the kind of partnership that we, that we seek to bring into the region and that the benefits of, of the United States, again, having a presence uh, in the region and being mindful of, uh, of what you, you know, said earlier on about the sense that the United States has not been present. Well, we are. We are, we are seeking to be present now and into the future, and we believe that brings tremendous benefits to the region.